John chapter 21, starting with verse 1. You have it, say amen. All right. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And so he called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciples, the disciple Jesus loved, this is being John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped in the water, and headed to shore. Verse 8. The others stayed with the boat and put the loaded net to the shore, for they were about a hundred yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast. Come on, somebody, say breakfast. Listen, waiting for them. Fish cooking over charcoal fire and some bread, or how I say, a good old catfish dinner. <laughs> Cornbread muffins. Listen, yeah. Bring some of the fish you caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were about 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. One of the things that we do at our church is we have a Bible confession, and coming from Psalm 119, verse 130, where it says that the entrance of your word brings light, and it gives understanding to the simple. And so, um, because I'm at home, I want you all to repeat after me. I want you to say, Lord, my heart is open, my mind is illuminated, and my spirit is teachable. I will never be the same after this word. In Jesus' name, amen. You can take your seats. You can take your seats. First of all, I want to say thank you to... Um, my brother, my sister, your pastors, give a hand for your pastors if you would. I love them so dearly, so dearly. I am, it is, it is hard, whether y'all know it or not, it's hard to find, um, you know, especially among ministry, ministers, pastor people, um, it's hard to find good relationships among those who labor in that type of vein without it being competitive and, and all about everything else that it don't need to be about. And so you find people like that, it's you want to hold on to those people. And they have been the epitome of what it means to um, collaborate rather than compete. And I'm honored to be able to call them brothers and sisters and friends. So we honor you today. 
I want to give you some background on the text that we are in right now first before we kind of really dig into this. Um, Jesus has died, and at this point in the, in, the, in, the, in the text, Jesus has already been resurrected. He's already um, has already died, gone to hell, grabbed the keys from hell, and he's already resurrected from the dead. And he has spent time, um, in some instances, um, revealing himself to his disciples on different occasions. And this, where we are in our text this morning, is actually the third, Robert, the third um, instance of when the Lord revealed himself to his disciples. The other, one other time, it was when they were on a mountain. Um, and then another time was in um, after um, some of his disciples were walking down the street one day, and Jesus appeared to them, and these disciples went home, and they told some of their other disciple brothers that we saw the Lord while we were walking down the street. And uh, it's interesting because they did that twice. They went, they, they, they told their brothers in the house one time. It was a good, a good celebratory moment. Then they had the conversation again. And then this time there was a disciple named there by the name of Thomas. And I know many of you have heard him called Doubting Thomas. And I'm going to tell you why they called him Doubting Thomas. Because um, when the disciples said, we saw the Lord while we were walking down the street, Thomas said, listen, I was there. When they nailed him to the cross. I saw, I saw him hanging up there, Robert. I saw them kill him. And you mean to tell me you didn't see him walking down the street with you? I won't believe it until I can see it for myself. I, I, I just I just cannot believe that you saw the Lord until I can see until I can see the, the nail prints in his hand for myself. I won't believe, Pastor Melissa, until I can take my hands and I can place my hands up against where I know that they pierced him in the side. I won't believe until I see it for myself. And it's interesting because I really think that we have as a church, as a body, we have given Thomas a bad name. We call him Doubting Thomas, but the reality is, it's not that Thomas necessarily was a doubter. Thomas just needed something different in order to believe. Why is it that I'm a doubter? Because I require something different than you. It's not that I don't want to believe. I just need another piece of evidence. And so we call him a doubter. But what did Jesus do? When Jesus showed up, Jesus didn't say, oh, you doubter. Jesus said, here, here, Thomas, take your hand. Put your hand right here. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. There, there you go. You know what, Thomas, hey, here's what you do. You just put your hand right here. Jesus said, let me give you what you need in order to believe. Jesus didn't want to stun See, the thing, about, the thing about Jesus and the thing about so many of us that we call Christians, we're more focused on being right. And Jesus said, it's not about me being right. The bigger picture here is I need you to believe. And so if you just need something a little different to believe, take my hand and place it where you need your belief. Does that make sense? And so that was the third time, uh, that was the second time that Jesus appeared to his disciples 
And then shortly after, in Matthew chapter 28, we read that Jesus tells his disciples to go on. Um, he, well, he instructs his disciples through other individuals, through Mary and Martha and through some other individuals, to tell the disciples to, to go on to Galilee, and I'm going to meet them there later. And that's kind of where we have, um, have landed at in our text this morning. They're in Galilee as they've been instructed to do. And so we arrive at this point where, once again, the disciples are gathered in a house. And once again, um, you know, they, they're talking and they're they doing their thing. They're collaborating. And Peter decides, I'm going to go fishing. You know, I'm, I'm going to go fishing. Now, it's interesting because, you know, y'all mind if we teach for a moment? Is that okay? We teach for a moment. It's interesting because um, when Peter did this and when the disciples decided to go fishing at this particular time, there are two theological schools of thought um, against this. One, of them, one theological school of thought says that by Peter and the disciples going to go fishing at this time, it was symbolic of them turning their back on the gospel mission and going back to the life that, that they came from. So there are some people who said that this was all y'all fault because you guys abandoned the mission and went back to the life that you were called from. That's one, the that's one school of thought. The other school of, the of theological thought that says, it is it's very basic, it says, but they still had to eat. No, it was not that they were abandoning the mission. They had to eat. Jesus wasn't here anymore. Jesus wasn't, wasn't providing all their physical needs like that as he, as he used to be. And then now they got to feed for themselves. They got to provide for themselves. They got to eat. Come on, somebody say, I got to eat. <laughs> Listen. They had to provide for themselves, and fishing was the way in which they did this. Most of these men were fishermen. That's what they did as a career, as a calling, as a nature, as a job, as a profession. That's what they did. That's, what, that's the life that they had, and it was very profitable. And so they had to eat. And so them going, said, I'm going fishing, was really just, listen, we've been waiting on the Lord for, you know, for, for some time now. And guess what? We hungry. Let's go fish. And I want to talk to you for a moment. How many, how many, fisher, how many fishermen do we have? Well, fisherwomen, fishermen, fisherwomen. How many people do we have that love to fish in here? Gabriel loves to fish. Bless y'all. Justin fishes. Bless y'all. I've fished before. You know, I'm not a fisherman. I don't consider myself that, but I fished before. And, you know, but the role of a, the job of a fisherman was very hard. Um, back at that time, it, it, it was very arduous. It was a very arduous task. It wasn't just getting in a boat, putting some worms on a line and casting your line out there and just hoping that one day that they're going to bite some worms and then you got dinner for the night. No, this was a very arduous task. It was a very, it, it, was, it was a very hard job to be a fisherman. One of the reasons is because um, it was extremely taxing on the body. Because fishermen didn't have a day off. Fishermen didn't have summer breaks. They didn't have spring breaks and winter breaks that all these kids got in school these days. Bless y'all. Pastor Melissa, I didn't have this many days out when I was in school. I mean, they, they got to, teachers are out because they want a professional development. Weekends, that's what professional development is for. Bless you. I'm, oh, I'm sorry, we got teachers. Bless you. <laughs> they worked all seasons. 
Pastor Melissa. So that means they worked in the scorching hot sun. They worked in the cold, blistering winters. They worked in thunders and lightnings and the rains. They didn't have a day off. Fishing was a very profitable business. And this, is, this was one of the ways that many people provided for their families. And it was much more arduous than just, just throwing a net and hoping to catch something. Because when, because when they went out there, they had to throw their nets. And if they caught something, they had, to, they had to reel this stuff in. And it often took two, three, four, five people to reel this stuff in. It was hard to be a fisherman. And it's interesting about being a fisherman, too, because, you know, sometimes, depending on the type of net that you have, the fishermen, when the net went down into the water, um, that net went way down to the bottom. And sometimes when you were pulling stuff up, you didn't know what you were bringing up. You brought dirt. You brought a trash. You brought dead fish. You brought everything. But how many know that sometimes, sometimes the Lord, the, 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 some of us have been the ones that are way down at the bottom. And, and the Lord had to send somebody to come and grab us from the dirt and from the bottom of everything. And somebody, somebody had to come and drag us from deep down in the depths of our life and deep down in the depths of, of our journeys. We were those ones who somebody had to go fishing for. That makes sense. Some, some of us can say, look at it. I was at the bottom. I, I, I was, I, listen, I, I wasn't swimming in nobody's top. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't saved like they were. I was way at the bottom of the, of the bottom of the barrel. And somebody had to be strong enough to go down and not give up because I was too heavy. But had to go down and bring me up from the bottom in order for me to swim again. In order for me to live. Somebody had to care enough. I was at the bottom, but thank God that somebody went fishing. They went fishing at night. Um, this scripture says uh, this is at nighttime when they went fishing. Um, most fishing took place at night. And one of the reasons is because um, this allowed them to escape the hot sun through the day. And so it was better at night to go fishing because it was uh, a little easier to deal with. Though it, it, it wasn't easy as far because it was still dark, it was still cold, it was still wet, it was still, 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 still hard to see, still hard to move. But it was still better at night because at least I'm not having to wrestle against heat exhaustion. I'm not having to wrestle against, wrestle against um, batting up against the sun. And, 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 and I, I can still do a little something here. And so they went fishing at nighttime. This was the most opportune time to catch fish, Pastor Melissa. And I, I, I want you to, I'm taking my time because I want you to follow me. This was the most opportune time to catch fish at nighttime. And so this is the time of night when they should have caught something. They should have been successful. But they weren't. So I want to bring us to our text for a moment, and I want you to repeat after me, and just, this is the title of today's conversation. Say, the proof is in the pivot. The proof is in the pivot. pivot. 
they started fishing during the nighttime, and um, the, the Bible said they were out there fishing, Robert, all night long. All night long until the dawning of the next day, Terry. For hours, they spent, they, they, they spent hours on this lake working and laboring and casting and waiting and anticipating and pulling in and waiting and casting and pulling in and casting and waiting and pulling in and they kept on casting and waiting and pulling in and every time they would cast and wait and pull in still nothing ever happened all night long they were casting and waiting and pulling in and nothing was happening can you imagine the frustration that the disciples are having at this time? We've been at this thing all night long. It is now the dawn of a new day, and we've spent hours out here throwing this net, laboring, getting tired, getting frustrated. We're hungry. We're in pain. We're cold. We're thirsty, and we've been doing this all night long, and nothing has happened. Can you imagine the frustration? Because here's the reality. They knew what they were doing. They had the right tools, the right resources. They had the right skills, the right competence. They had the right ability. They had the right team. They had the right understanding. So, 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 so this was not a foreign thing to them. This is what they did. This is what I do. This is what we spent years doing. This is what we what we've become known for in the in the city in the community. This is what we. This is who we are. This is this is not what's happening. This is not foreign. What's going on? They were toiling and wrestling and fighting and waiting. And anticipating and getting frustrated and getting upset and probably getting mad at each other right now. Because listen, somebody's probably not pulling their weight. Something's probably not happening. What's going on here? Maybe you're not working hard enough. Maybe you're not moving fast enough. What is going on? What is happening? And they spent all night tolling. And yet still nothing. They put all this time, all this energy, all this effort, all this investment, all this resources, all this mental, all this intellect, all this skill, and have nothing to show for it. Can anybody relate? So feeling like, Pastor Austin, I've been... Giving all I got. I, 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 I put time into this. I've cried over this. I've labored over this. I've 
prayed years over this. I have I worked hard for this. I have lost sleep over I've lost sleep over this. I have I've lost friends over this. I've lost relationships over this. I have I, I, I put my time and money into this. I did, listen, I, I feel like I've put everything I had into this and I have nothing to show for it. Then morning comes. And all of a sudden, they hear a voice calling out to them from the shore. And the disciples at this time, they can't tell that it's Jesus. They can't make out who it is that's calling out to them from the shore. They, they can see a figure. They can hear a voice. But they don't really know who it is that's talking to them. And the voice says, have you caught any fish? And the tense that that question is written in is in, is in the tense of, I know you didn't catch anything, but I want to know, do you know? So it's, so it's really written in a rhetorical sense. It's not that, not, not, not that I, I know you, you know, I'm, I really want to know if you can tell me what you caught. Um, the, the real tense is, since you didn't catch any fish. They can't see who it is. They hear a voice, but they can't really Make out who it is that's talking. And, and, and many people say it could be because the morning dew in the morning is it, probably blocking their vision. Maybe they can't see in the small. They're out there on the water, the lake. Maybe the, the small from the lake is, is possibly blocking their vision. They really can't see. Maybe it's still a little too dark out there, so they really can't really make out who it is on the shore. So, so, so they see somebody, they hear somebody, but they don't know who it is. But they hear a voice calling out to them saying, try again. But this time, watch this. Try again. But this time, take your net and throw it to the right side. The disciples heed to the voice that they have been, that they heard, right? The heed to the voice. And just as the voice told them, this time when they did it, this time they got a catch. But I want to draw your attention to something. Let me ask you a question. Maybe you can understand. Maybe you can help me. Maybe I'm just a little, you know, a little, got to catch up a little bit. What was so different about this time than the last 10, 12 hours that we've been out here doing the same thing? Hmm. This is what I want you to write down if you're taking notes. 
for the disciples. This moment was an instance of right thing, wrong strategy. This was a moment, right thing, wrong strategy. Because the only thing that changed in this situation, as far as the disciples are concerned, is their strategy, their approach, their method. How they did this. That was the only thing that changed. They were in the same boat with the same tools, doing the same thing, Terry, that they've been doing for 10, 8, 10, 12 hours. They, 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 nothing else shifted, Justin. All that changed was the strategy. Keep doing what you're doing, but just change the strategy. The difference, write this down, the difference was in their pivot. The difference was in their pivot. And because, you know, if I'm, I'm, maybe some of you are like me, maybe some of you are like me, I, I sometimes I need a little um, understanding, thank you. Uh, a, a little better understanding of some things sometimes. And so I had to do a def I had to look at the, the definition of pivot. And so I want to give you the definition of pivot um, because I needed to just kind of understand just a little bit better. Um, so pivot, as defined by my friend Miriam, um, <laughs> Miriam said, um, to pivot is to adapt or improve by adjusting or modifying something such as a product, service, or strategy. To pivot is to adapt or modify, sorry, to adapt or improve by adjusting or modifying something, such as a product, service, or strategy. In other words, pivoting, Pastor Austin, is the process of changing direction when the current strategy isn't producing the desired results. Pivoting is your ability to change your approach, to change your thought process, to change your methodology, to change your, uh, your, your, your perspective, to change your mindset, to change the way you approach a thing, to change your strategy, to change or improve the way in which you do it. It is, it, it is it, the ability and the willingness to make a change because the way you've been going just ain't doing nothing for you. Oh, bless you. How many of you have ever been in a season, maybe you're in a season right now, 
where it feels like there's this, this tap on your shoulder that says maybe it's time just to pivot just a little bit. Just shift direction just a tad bit. Just change Change your approach. Just change. Maybe, 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 your, maybe your 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 attitude has to pivot for a moment. Maybe, maybe your location has to pivot for a moment. Maybe your 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 approach has to pivot for a moment. Maybe, maybe I, I got to take you out of this and bring you over into this for a moment. I'm not trying to change everything. I just need you to change your direction. I just need you to change your focus. I just need you to make just a slight change in how you approach this. Maybe some of us, like myself, who understand what it means to be in a place of a pivot. And pivots oftentimes are uncomfortable. Especially when, like the disciples, you've been doing what you know to do for so long. And now, all of a sudden, the Lord is saying, just turn just a little bit this way. <laughs> y'all not going to leave me out here by myself, right? Y'all not going to let me walk out here in this shallow water by myself. Y'all know what it means when the Lord takes his hand upon your life and he says, listen, I just need you to make just, just, just turn just real quick, just make one shift in your direction. Just make, just in order for you to attain what it is that you've been laboring all night long for, in order for you to attain what you've been working all your life for, everything you went to school for, everything you prayed for, everything, you, everything you've lost, everything you gave up, everything you've been whining about, everything you've been crying for, the only thing that's going, that's, that, 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 the only difference between you working and catching nothing and you doing it and catching everything is your ability to just oh. there are some things in life ladies and gentlemen that you will not grab a hold to unless you learn how to pivot there are some things that you just won't you won't master you won't attain you won't understand you won't grab you won't realize until you learn how to just Pivot for a moment. There are some things that God is, is holding up because you are so stuck and married and you, you are so glued to the way you always thought it was going to be. We can't be so married just because you dreamed about it since you were a little boy and little girl don't mean that, it's, that that's the way that God has for it to go. Just because it's something that mom and daddy told you that you was always going to do doesn't mean that, it's, that that's the way that God had for it to work. I don't care how many prophetic words you got. If it ain't the Lord talking to you, if it ain't the Lord saying this is the way I want you to go, shut up your prophetic word. Many of us, if we don't be careful, many of us will make prophetic words your idol. Because every word that comes to you when somebody says, thus said the Lord, you take it and run with it. But the power of a prophetic word is your ability to take that thing and then lay it down at the feet of the Lord and say, Lord, this is what I heard. But what are you saying? I know what they said, but God, what are you saying? What's the timing on this thing? What's the approach on this thing? What's the way on this thing? I don't want to just take because they said it. It's 
Does that make sense? Some of us are going to have to come off the hamster wheel if you are going to get into God's will. You have to come off this hamster wheel of going and going and riding and going and doing. But the thing about a hamster wheel is you're just going and going and doing, and but you ain't going nowhere. You're in the same place. You're doing the same thing. and yet, But yet you're exhausting yourself. You're tiring yourself out. You're working hard. You're laboring. But the thing is, when you look back over, you're still in the same place you started at because you're in the hamster wheel, but you're not in God's wheel. And when you're in God's wheel, God will take you out and say, listen, now because of your ability to pivot, now the work that you're doing, you're going to end up somewhere. For the disciples, this was a matter of obedience. Write this, write this, write this, write this. The truth is, sometimes it's not about your ability, but it's about your flexibility. Sometimes it's not about your ability, Robert. It is about your flex ability. It is about your ability to be moved. It is about your ability to be bent. It is about your ability to be curved. It is about your ability to adapt. It is about your ability to be flexible and not be so married to the thing. It, 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 it's not about, it, it's not about do you have the skill to do it. It's not about do you have the intellect to do it. I know what I put inside you. I know you're smart enough for it. I know you got intelligence for it. It's not about can you do it. It's will you allow me to do something in you? Can I do something in you? There was a lot of scholarly debate about the significance of Jesus telling him to place the net on the right side. Some people say, well, um, you know, back at that time, the right side of the boat was considered the good luck side. And most people have quickly dismissed that that was the reason why he said it. Then the other side of people say, well, the reason why Jesus must have said that is because, because of his because of where he was standing out on the shore, he had a different vantage point to the water, and so he was maybe able to see that there was a school of fish on the right-hand side, and so that's why he told them to go to the right, because he could see something that they couldn't see, and many people um, said, hey, you know, that's cool, but that don't sound like it is like I said either, because the reality is, whether Jesus told them to go to the back of the boat, whether he told them to go to the left side of the boat, whether he told them to come off the boat, wherever Jesus told them, there's going to be some fish right there, and no, no, no matter where it was, no, no, no matter where he told them to go, it's going to be some fish over there, and so the reality is, it's not about where they place their nets. It's about where they place their obedience. Yeah. 
It's a matter of can you be able, can you be flexible and shift when needed? Can you be adaptable to adjust when necessary? Here's the big point I want to ask, I want to ask you today. If you're in nothing else, hear me and hear me good. Can God change your direction without you changing your decision? Can I change your direction and you not change your decision? Can I modify your course and you not change your conviction? <laughs> Can I do something different in you and you not say that it must be the devil? Oh, oh. <laughs> because every time things go our and every time things go counter to what you thought it was going to be, baby, it ain't the devil. Sometimes I'm changing your course. Sometimes it's the Lord. And sometimes you don't give credit where the credit is due. Because it's easy to fault the bad guy all the time. Because to understand that it's the Lord requires you to go to a place of prayer. And say, Lord, (laughs) I don't know what the heck is going on here. But is this you? (laughs) Is it me? (laughs) Or is it that sneaky red-headed devil? I don't know what it is. I don't know who it is. But I need you to help me to understand what the heck is going on here. Because I don't want to give credit where the credit ain't due. Because, God, if it's you doing it, baby, listen, you can have my obedience. You can have my submission. You can have my sacrifices. You can have my resources. You can have my mind. Whatever you need to make this thing work, just let me know that it's you. The disciples were willing to pivot and try try another approach. And thank you. And now they were able to grab a hold of everything that they've been laboring over. Y'all still with me? Just give me a few more moments. Is that okay? The fact that Jesus would show up on the shore. While they were fishing, the fact that Jesus would show up in the midst of their toil, in the midst of their wrestle, in the the midst of their laboring all night, in the midst of their frustration, in the midst of their discouragement, in the midst of their agony, in the midst of their hunger, in the midst of their cold night, in the midst of their wet night, in the midst of their anger at each other, the fact that Jesus would show up in the midst of that thing, it it gives me some encouragement to let me know that the God that I serve doesn't just care that I go to church or not. He doesn't care that that I serve in ministry. His his biggest concern for me isn't that just because I'm so good at reading my Bible, I'm so good at praying every day. No, the God that I serve even when I'm tired, when I'm frustrated, when I'm discouraged, when I'm upset, when I'm in pain, when I don't know what the heck I'm doing, Jesus cares enough to step up on the shore and say, have you caught anything? (laughs) 
Somebody let that settle for a moment right there. Let that settle for a moment. Jesus said, I said, baby, I see, I saw you wrestling. I saw you, I see you wrestling. <laughs> I see you out there laboring. I, I see what you're going through. I see the pain you in. Listen, baby, I'm not too far. I'm right here on the shore. I'm right here. I'm, I'm right here watching you. I'm right here. I'm right here waiting on you. And guess what? What you probably can't see right now is while you're out there wrestling, I'm over here preparing a table before you. I know, I know you're out there wrestling, but baby, when, they, when, that, when that thing is all said and done, when you come back to the shore, I got a hot meal waiting on you. While you're out there doing that thing, baby, guess what? When you're on your way back here, I got something ready for you. As a matter of fact, the thing that you've been laboring over, over, guess what? I already caught it. I already got it over here, and I'm cooking it up for you. I'm preparing it for you. So, yes, you're laboring, but guess what? The fish ain't for me. The fish is for you. I already got what you've been laboring over. <laughs> I already got it prepared for you, but I just need you to be willing to labor for a moment. I just need you to be willing to walk through something for a moment. I just need you to be willing to pivot for a moment because the, real, the reality is this is not about fishing. It is about your obedience. Oh, this thing hit me crazy this week. This thing, I was in my car at work for about an hour. I'm, the Lord is just downloading all this to me, and he's just jacking my heart up. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, Lord, I know, that, I know they said you speak through your word, but listen, you're doing too much right now. Speaking. Remember, initially the disciples couldn't tell that it was Jesus calling out to them. It wasn't until after they heard the voice, they obeyed the voice, that they caught the fish. It wasn't until after they obeyed the voice that they were able to catch the fruit for their labor. Write this down. God, I thank you. Miracles are attached to instructions. Miracles are attached to instructions. You may say, well, how do you know this? Well, because it was when the disciples brought Jesus, when, 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 when they were out there and, and the 5,000 plus people were hungry, they said, Jesus, what is we going to do? And Jesus said, find somebody who got some food. And when they, when they brought Jesus the two fish and the five loaves of bread, it was when they brought him in obedience and, and when they obeyed the instruction to bring him the food, that's when the miracle happened. 
it, 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 it wasn't it, it, it wasn't until until Jesus spoke to Lazarus while he was dead in the tomb and said, Lazarus, get up. It wasn't until then, until Lazarus obeyed and the soul had to listen until the miracle happened. It wasn't it, 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 it wasn't until when, when the disciples were walking by the pool of Bethesda that when Jesus walked by, there was a man that was laying there and said, Listen, I've been waiting for somebody to put me in the water so that I can get my healing. And Jesus said, Is there, are you ready for your healing? He said, yes, I've been ready. He said, well, do me a favor. Get up and take up your mat. And it wasn't until the man decided, okay, I'm going to do what you said. I'm going to get up. I'm going to take up my mat. And, and then I'm going to start walking. It wasn't until it, it, it wasn't until when the woman who was desperate enough plowed through the crowd and said, it said listen, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I can be made whole. I got to cross through some people. I got to walk through some things. I got to bogart some people. But, but, but guess what? There is something that happens when you're too desperate to be denied. I don't know what it is, but if I got to plow through some people to get what I've been waiting 12 years for, I will do what I got to do because I understand that miracles are attached to the word that I've been given. I got to obey first before I can see the, the hand of the Lord move. I got instructions to follow first. And that's the problem with so many of us believers is we want miracles without instructions. We want the Lord to move and do and heal and bless and save and deliver and release and bind up and store up and, and shake up and, and throw up all this, all this old good stuff. But we, we, we expect God to move without us moving and doing anything. I got a miracle for you. But it's attached to your ability to follow instructions. Does that make sense? It was after the miracle that they realized who it was that they were talking to. John, the, the disciple, said, It's the Lord. Mind you, they still can't see him. All still, all they have is a voice. But once they caught the fish, somebody had enough gall to say, it's the Lord. In other words, the only person that can make something like this happen it's the Lord. Only God can give me back everything I lost. Only God can give me back all the years that the canker worm and the palmer worm has stolen from me. Only God is the one that can restore my family. Only God is the one who can, who can, who can heal my kids. Only God is the one who can heal my marriage. Only God is the one who can heal my, who can heal my sickness. Only God is the one who can provide my breakthrough. Only God is the one who can set me up. Only God is the one that can change my course like this. Only God, I need somebody to shout it here. Only God is the one 
Woo, my, my, my. It's not going to come by your intellect. It's not going to come because of your degrees. It's not going to come because of the money in your bank account. It's not going to come because of your experience. It's not going to come because of your good name. But if I can call upon the name of Zerubbabel, and when, 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 they, when they said it's Zerubbabel, it said it's not by power, it's not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's the only way that this thing is going to happen. It ain't going to happen because you put your hand on it but by my spirit but by my spirit <laughs> by my spirit <laughs> only God by my spirit is going to happen only God but by my spirit is going to happen Whew. it's the Lord I tried it on my own I caught nothing but it's it's the Lord on this one I I gave it all I had, but it's going to be the Lord on this one. I, 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 I done put all my time and all my energy and I've been, I, all, all my intellect, all I know how to do. But if this is going to happen, guess what? It's going to be the Lord on this one. The Lord's going to have to be the one to make this thing happen. As David, as David wrote in Psalm 118, he said, listen, this is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in his sight. This is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Why? Because this is the Lord's doing. The, 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 the thing that's before me, it is only God who can make this thing happen. Only God can do what he's trying to do in you. I may not be able to see clearly. I may not can discern the voice clearly. But when we can't see his hand, when I can't trace his steps, whew, when I can't see what he's doing, the one thing that I can, I can never deny, I can't see his presence, I can't see his face, but I can't deny his power. I can't deny his power. And the thing that's happening in my life is a direct indicator. It's a direct, it's a direct pointing to this is the Lord. Y'all, 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 y'all. The only way they knew it was the Lord wasn't because he said, I, it's me. The only reason that they do the Lord was because they could see better. But, it, but, but the only way that they saw that it had to be the Lord, because he proved his power. He proved his ability to do what only he can do. Y'all, sometimes what the Lord is waiting to do in your life is I need to show you. I need to get you to a place of believing that what, you, what you're looking for is only going to come when I can show you that I can do something that only I can do. I'm going to say this and then I'll be done with you. When the disciples were doing it on their own, they caught nothing.
But when Jesus stepped in, they caught more than they could handle. <clears throat> this is called divine intervention. Can you imagine after laboring for hours, wrestling for hours? Let me bring it to you. Can you imagine after you've been sending out resumes time after time after time and you've been waiting on phone calls and you've been waiting for new opportunities and you've been praying and expecting for healing for one year, two years, five years, ten years. You've been expecting that relationship to get better. You've been waiting for that call to come through. You've been, you, you, you've been hoping and waiting for things to look better and for situations to change. And you've been wrestling and you've been talking and you've been crying and you've been laboring and you've been praying and you've been pressing all night long. And then somebody comes up and tells you, got the nerve to tell you, try again. The harvest came through their willingness to obey and try again. Because here's the reality, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes it's not about are you going to do the same thing the same way. Sometimes the question that the Lord is asking you, are you willing to do the same thing differently? Are you willing to try it again differently? Are you okay with giving it another shot, but just doing it a little bit different? Some of us find ourselves frustrated and tired and upset and discouraged, ready to quit because we've been doing the same thing the same way and nothing is happening we're not catching anything. We're not, we don't have any fruit of our, of our labor. Just because, ladies and gentlemen, you're busy doesn't mean you're productive. And you can get so busy doing, but you're not doing anything. Here's the last thing. Here's the good news I want to share with you, and I'm going to get out your hair. One of the most powerful things in this verse, in this, in this whole chapter for me, was John 21, verse 11, when it said that their nets didn't break. They caught so much fish and abundance of harvest. Their harvest was heavy. But even though they caught more than they could handle. The Bible says that their nets didn't break. And here's what I want to say to you, Church of the City, ladies and gentlemen, today. I want to prophesy to you for a moment. Is that okay? I prophesy to every person in this building right here under the sound of my voice that those of you who will be willing to obey the voice of the Lord in your life, the word of the Lord for your life today is that everything you caught, you're going to keep. 
Everything, everything you labored over, you're going to keep. Everything you wrestled for, you're going to keep. Everything that you've been working hard towards, you're going to keep. Everything you caught, you're going to come on, I, I, I need some people who, who, who believe that. Everything you caught, you're going to keep. And then I, I don't care what's going to come against you. I don't care what's going to try to come against you. I don't care what's going to try to take you out. I don't care what's going to try to come against your harvest. Everything that the Lord has placed in your net, it and your net won't break. You're going to keep what you caught. Every blessing, every healing, every restoration, every, every breakthrough, every answered door, every new opportunity, everything that the Lord put in your net, baby, you're going to keep what you caught in the name of Jesus. And this time around, when you're out there doing what it is that you always do, your harvest is going to be plentiful, baby. You, you, you're going to have more than what you can handle. You're going to have more than what you expected. You're going to have more than what you worked for because nothing will slip through your hands this time.